Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom T20 World Cup daily podcast on this unforgettable triple game day. This World Cup just keeps on delivering. Zimbabwe beat Pakistan in a last ball thriller that will be remembered for decades to come. We'll talk about their remarkable win at Perth, South Africa, laying down an imposing marker against Bangladesh and India's thoroughly professional victory over the Netherlands. I'm Yazrana, and with me today is the head of content at Wisdom India, Abhishek Mukherjee, and Wisdom.com staff writer, Katia Whitney. Um, a bit of pod admin before we get going. This is the second of two podcasts to hit your feed today. The other one is the weekly show looking more broadly at the T20 World Cup so far, delving deeper into Ireland's win over England, as well as looking at some of the other big non-World Cup stories from the last week. So two free podcasts in one day, Head to that episode once you're done listening to us three now. But anyway, on with the show. Uh, this World Cup has been so good. Uh, Pommy in Bangor on commentary describes Zimbabwe's position at the halfway point in the game against Pakistan after they only got 130 as dead and half buried. But somehow with that excellent seam attack and Sikander Raza in the, in the middle with his spin, they defended 130 by a run. Pakistan losing off the last ball again. Abhishek, what did Zimbabwe do so well in the second half of that game? And what did Pakistan get wrong in that chase? I think they had tall, fast bowlers. And a Perth, uh, and the Perth pitch, I saw a graphic, it produced it. Uh, the bounce is more steeper than the other Australian venues. So that extra height made a difference. That made a real difference. As we saw in the power playovers, they, uh, they, the Pakistani batters got stuck. Uh, we were not that surprised when the Indian fast bowlers did that, but uh, the Zimbabwean fast bowlers made excellent use of the bounce. And mm. then Raza, I mean, I, I, I can't see him do anything wrong this year. Just to, on, on when you when you say making best use of the bounce, what do you mean by that? Is that just hitting the middle of the pitch more and more? Yeah, and uh, uh, see, Pakistan are a. Uh, are a 
more than recent G20 side, but when was the last time they handled bombs? They played against bombs. Same battles. They, they do so well in other conditions. Even in England, they have done well. But when was the last time they handled steel bombs? And bounce is, so, is as much of a factor as, as raw pace, I guess, in Australia. Yes. Yeah. Mm. We'll get a bit more onto Australian conditions later. But Katya, let's let's talk about Sikander Raza a little bit. He's been absolutely incredible this tournament. It's his third player of the match award in five games. We can, we've seen what he can do with the bat. And with the ball, before the tournament, Joe said he bowls a bit like Sunil Narayan. He's learned from, from Narayan having worked closely with him before. Um, he's got even more variations than, than Narayan. It's somewhere between a Mark Watt and Narayan, which is a pretty handy combination. That's quite something, isn't it? Well, he's, he's brilliant, as we've said. He's absolutely brilliant. We've said in so many of these podcasts in the last few days and the last couple of weeks that Saigander Raza is just absolutely brilliant. He's had a fantastic year. And it's just brilliant that on a stage like this, we get to see and celebrate the talent that Saikanda Raza is with Zimbabwe being included in it. And in the group stage, he was obviously Zimbabwe's best player, finished the group stage as the leading run scorer. But he also was brilliant with the ball. He took three wickets. I, th- I think it was their second match, but I can't quite remember. He took three wickets in that match. Um, and he's taken another three wickets here. And they were crucial, crucial wickets to break the back of that Pakistan chase. And whatever he touches pretty much turns to gold. Um, which is a pretty handy thing to have in your all-rounder and your best player, to be honest. Um, but yeah, no, he's absolutely brilliant. And, you know, put the Sikander Raza hat on again because, you know, he's just been box office and he's provided some really, really great cricket. Mm, it, it's a shame that he's 36 now. We've, we've missed the prime of his career, really, at ICC tournaments. It's the first time we've seen him in a major tournament in, in quite some time. Um, going back to the the over, I guess that changed the game. Shadab Khan hits Raz of a six, and then he kind of tries to repeat the trick. The next ball, he's caught long off. Um, Abhishek, is that is that the moment that changes the game? Pakistan recovered from thirty six to three. They got themselves back up to eighty eight to three. Run rate was under control. Is that the moment that Pakistan will look back on as like, yeah, even though Zimbabwe had that good start with the ball, Pakistan still had the game under their control. They lost it from three and three balls. I mean, how often do you see that? They uh, uh, the day they stacked, they played the extra batter. They ran out. They ran out of bowlers in the last over, and when they replaced that batter with the bowler, they ran out, ran out of batters in the last over. It's one of those things that happened. I mean, at three from three balls, they should have won that match. But Zimbabwe kept their calm. I mean, see, uh, in the first ball of the last over. Mid-off was inside, mid-on was inside. He bowled a pitched-up slower ball. I think that... And uh, he, again, he got a wicket. He didn't push back the fielder. He got a wicket on the edge of the circle. Now, sometimes these things go your way. Today, they went Zimbabwe. Uh, you folks, the numbers. You, you think there's a decent chance that Zimbabwe qualify for the semi-finals now? Yeah. Zimbabwe were not expected to get any points out of their matches against India, Pakistan and uh, South Africa. But now they've got three points from two matches. Even if they lose to India. If India... Uh, if, if Zimbabwe beat Bangladesh and uh, Netherlands, which is not improbable, they go up to seven points. If South Africa lose to uh, both India and Pakistan, once again, not improbable. They will be stuck with two defeats, which is about five points. And Pakistan will be stuck at a maximum of six points. So with Zimbabwe on seven, South Africa on uh, five and Pakistan on six, there's a high chance that Zimbabwe may go through along with India. And and more generally, 
there's been so much chat over the last year about Bubba and Rizwan's approach to the top of the order, the firepower in the in the middle order that Pakistan have compared to the 2021 World Cup. They had Fakhar Zaman, Mohammed Afis, and Shweb Malik in the middle. None of them are there now. Is there some vindication in the way that Bubba and Rizwan have played over the last year, given how meek that middle order has been? As you saw today, that the second there was um, kind of any pressure applied on them, they, they crumbled again. Um, do you understand why they, why they've been that caution, Abhishek, at the top? Yeah, all the more reason I expected uh, Pakistan to break up that Baba Rizwan uh, stand at some point and allow these cricketers more time in the middle. So that never happened at any point. Uh, Rizwan, uh, they took the game deep, but by doing that, the rest of the batting, I mean, uh, to now, of course, today they had. But then uh, recently they have had Shan Masood who can also drop anchor, but uh, their batters are not uh, were not prepared to take this game deep. Mm. They should. Uh, I, I mean, had they played, uh, say, I mean, uh, you mentioned that Sikandar Raza over, but uh, they could, they could have, they should have won it from there without losing another wicket. The match mm. should not have come this close. They just did not. They, they, they just did not, they just lost wickets. Do you think it's a personnel thing of Pakistan back the wrong players in the middle order of the last year or so? They uh, didn't have much of a choice. I mean, um, I, don't, I don't know which, what the cause, what, what the cause and what the effect is. But I mean, whether they are uh, expected to hit from the onset, uh, from the onset because Babar and Rizwan back deep or because, or Babar and Rizwan bad deep because uh, they can't last long. I mean, I don't know which one is the cause, but uh, I mean, these two have gone hand in hand mm. over time. So, something has to change at some point. Mm. Just one thing I wanted to mention just before I forget is that some of the reaction in Pakistan has been, as you expect, quite um, dramatic. Uh, Shoaib Akhtar, for example, is, is called the defeat embarrassing. I, I just really want to say that it's not embarrassing to lose against Zimbabwe. I know, I know Pakistan have great resources. This is a really good Zimbabwe side. Um, and I think if there's anything this tournament has taught us is that all of these elite sides with um, supposedly, or relatively speaking, infinite resources at their disposal, they're all very, very vulnerable to, to, the, the, to, I mean, these are full member countries we're talking about with Ireland and Zimbabwe. But these, these teams can really pose serious problems on their day, especially in these conditions. Um, but one final question uh, I'm going to ask Abhishek before we get to the South Africa game. Um, this tournament is the tournament of upsets so far. Do you think the conditions play a part in that? Massive boundaries um, and then just the extra pace and bounce that we were talking about earlier. There isn't that much elite T20 cricket played in Australia. There aren't the very best players in the world tend not to play in the Big Bash. There aren't that many T20Is in Australia. The IPLs, obviously, in India and has played a little bit in the UAE. Pakistan Super Leagues in, in Pakistan, obviously, and has been played in the UAE as well. So we're, we're used to seeing the best T20 players in the world play loads of the format in Asia, but not so much on the bouncy, faster tracks that we see in Australia. Do you think that plays a part in it? Logically, that should have played a part uh, because the, the batters of the subcontinent are not used to such big grounds, not used to such pace and bounce. But see... Uh, New Zealand started off really well. They don't play on the largest of grounds, and uh, I mean uh, the key is the key uh, lies with boundary hitting. But you still uh, you still have to find the boundary. But you 
as uh, India demonstrated, I think, very well against Pakistan, also have to pick up the tools. India and Pakistan, I think, picked up the same number of tools or something, but you have to pick up the tools as well, along with hitting boundaries. It's not uh, one or the other. You have to do both here. Um, moving on to the South Africa-Bangladesh game, which feels like a very long time ago now. South Africa absolutely trounced Bangladesh. The Proteas obviously had that very frustrating washout against Zimbabwe, where they'd already reached the five-over DLS target when the rain fell, but not enough balls had been bowled for a result to hold. This time they made sure that they got the point when it was in their control. Um, Katia, essential to that victory was Riley Rousseau scoring his second 100 in as many T20i innings as South Africa put on 205. He is some addition to this South Africa lineup compared to what they had at the world, last World Cup. He's been out of the international international frame for a few years now, and now he's one of the best number threes going in the T20 game. Yeah, well, I think he's one of these players that has flown into the tournament massively, massively under the radar. Like before the tournament, we were all talking about Suryuki Yadav or Joss Butler being the leading run scorer, things like that. But Riley Ruto's record this year is something else, and and as you said, he's been out of been out of South Africa side for I think well T20 side for I think like six years Mm. which is quite something um not always completely his fault but I think I also saw today he got two consecutive ducks in his first like two innings for South Africa um but the amount of runs he scored this year is quite staggering because you look at the 200s he's scored now um and that's incredible in itself but he scored 96 not out against England as well so just one ball more in that. And we could be talking about someone who's got three T20 hundreds this year. Um, and also, if you look at where he was against India, so India uh, against India, South Africa's top order had a really, really terrible time in the first couple of matches. And people were calling for maybe Risa Hendricks to come in rather than Riley Russo. Temba Vima was also having a mare um, and continues to have a mare. Um, but he then hit that century in the final match against India and it showed how good a player he was in, but how good a player he is. But still, he wasn't talked about coming into this tournament as the force that he could be. Um, and he takes apart everything. He takes apart spin. He takes apart pace. You know, it's not that he's a one-trick pony. He's got many, many bows to his arrow, if that's the phrase, probably the wrong way around. Um, but yeah, I just think he's brilliant and he's flown massively under the radar. You mentioned the form of skipper Temba Bavuma there massive win for South Africa but he's still he's not just not having a great time he's not had a great time for a really long time um is that is actually with South Africa doing as well as they are making it even more awkward than it was at the start of the competition well yeah I think there are real problems there now I think it's his last seven innings he hasn't reached double figures but it's not necessarily I mean that's a pressing problem in itself but it's not necessarily the most pressing problem it's the way he's doing it as well um his strike rate this year I think is 79 which for a t20 opener is not the best when you consider what's around him as well you've got Quinton de Kock who's come into form at really amazing timing I think he's scored in his last four innings he scored a ridiculous amount of runs and it was a travesty against Zimbabwe that one of the iconic T20 innings didn't count his farming of the strike against Bavima was absolutely iconic um but yeah no it's a difficult thing to drop your captain halfway through a world cup or not even halfway through a world cup but if Bavima wasn't captain it would be a no-brainer you've got Reza Hendricks I think waiting on the sidelines who's got an incredible record as well he averages 40 plus this year um, and his strike rate is much better than Bavima's. So there comes a time where they've got to think about it and they've got to seriously weigh up because they've got so much power in that lineup and they really have the potential to go all the way in the tournament. 
but Bavuma has to be a question that they find an answer to, whether Bavuma finds it himself or whether the selectors find it for him. Mm. And Anrik Nukia was on fire with the ball, um, taking four for 10, bowling mid-90 MPH. How, Cathy, how, how highly do you rate their chances of winning the thing? They play India on Sunday, which should be a, a better indicator of where they're at. But that's a side with, with few holes in it. Seriously, they seriously they could win the tournament. Um, I think we've got to remember that this Bangladesh side is not very good. Um, of all the sides that directly qualified for the Super 12s, I reckon they're probably probably the weakest. Um, and they could have easily been turned over by the Netherlands as well. Um, but we've got to seriously take South Africa as a, as a contender. As you said, there's very few holes in their lineup. Their bowlers are awesome. You know, Anrik Norkia has been bowling well for a really long time. Uh, you've got Ngidi and Rabada as well. Possibly spin is where they might get let down. Um, I mean, Shamsi and, and Maharaj are not exactly having their best years in T20 cricket, but I think everyone's spinners are going to struggle in this tournament in Australia anyway, so that might not be the most pressing factor. They, they were hard done by against Zimbabwe by not getting that that win over the line and only taking a point from that. But especially with Pakistan losing today, um, they could really, really do well. Mm. And Abhishek, just on Bangladesh... There, I don't think people will realise quite how wretched their record in T20 cricket is recently. Against full member size, it's something like they've lost 21 of the last 23. It's something that dramatic. What's happened to Bangladesh? Not that long ago, they were side viewed as as, as rapidly improving in, in white ball cricket. And there was chat going into the last World Cup, albeit in very different conditions, that they'd be one of the dark horses. They, they couldn't be further away from that tag. Uh, here in 2022. Only three Bangladeshis have scored at a strike rate of over 130 this year. So the highest among them is Ritan Das, who is at 135. Eight South Africans have scored at a rate faster than him. Eight. Three South Africans have scored at over 180 this year. So that is the difference between Bangladesh and the top side. If you go through the career records of the entire Bangladesh squad, not a single person is there who strikes at over 130. You cannot do well in T20 cricket with a, with an, with a squad like that. And uh, that will win you, that will probably win you matches on very slow, low pitches where hitting is not a factor. But unfortunately, that is not where majority of T20 is played around the world. Definitely not in global tournaments. Mm. Unless they change their approach, unless they pick hitters, more hitters in their squad, they're never going to Let Going to the other game of the day, India had a very stress-free victory over the Netherlands. I guess some eyebrows were raised about how slowly they started with the bat before they got up to 180 in the end. They were 32 for one off the power play. Abhishek, is that caution basically because they view that as the best way of them not tripping up and getting bundled for a 120 to 140 type score? Yes, I... The way the way uh, upsets are happening, the first thing they probably wanted was to avoid an upset. I can't really blame them. They know that uh, they have got two points. And even if they lose to South Africa, if they win the other matches, the wins will be enough to take them through to the semi-final. And after Pakistan's defeat today, they are more certain of that. So now they'll just keep on winning without trying to do anything fancy, without trying to experiment. Uh, I, I can't really blame them for that. But again, uh, I mean, there's the other side as well. If, if you play exactly one type of cricket on some day against the top side, when uh, this top order will fail, 
having great. We all we often we all we saw that against Pakistan. India collapsed against Pakistan in the top order inside the power play. It uh, it was not a regular win. It was a near miracle that happened. Nothing less than that would have won that match from there. So that won't be repeated if they have another collapse. Mm. So that is one. Unless they keep trying things, I wonder what the plan B is. And just finally, Katya Davishet will go to Katya first. Which two sides from that group do you think will go to the semi-finals? I really want to say Zimbabwe. Like I really same, want to say same, Zimbabwe, same. but I think it will probably be South Africa and India. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately if you're a fan of South Africa or India, but I would love it if Zimbabwe could go through. I, I, I mean, logically, it seems South Africa and India, and I, but ideally, I would want Zimbabwe and any other side. Uh, well, thanks, Katia. Thanks, Abhishek. That's all we have time for on today's show. A reminder that if you finish listening to this and you still want more from us, there's the weekly show that came out earlier today. Um, if not, we've got another podcast coming your way tomorrow after England play Australia in a must-win game at the MCU. Sports Social Podcast Network.